0: Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper, and baby, we are uh, we are lacking the third man in the booth. We have uh, the the traveling man, Ronnie Martin. So yeah, he's really he's in the was, Windy
1: City right now. That's what I hear. One of,
0: yeah, one of the things that was weird about the last couple of months is the lack of travel that Ron did. I feel like it must have really like killed him just to be like at home in Ashland for like two, three, four weeks at a time. He's, he's you know? so glad the holidays are over and he can get back to his world tour, his middle his <laughs> middle America back to world tour. On the road yeah, every that's weekend. Right. Do you know what he's doing in Chicago? Do you know if this is, is this like a uh, hipster sojourn stuff or is this the other uh, thing?
1: Yeah, Chicago doesn't strike me as a hipster sojourn city. It's, I, I don't know what it mm-hmm. is. I'm going to guess it's more denominational, but I'm, I'm okay. pulling that out of thin air. I don't really know. Like EV free yeah, stuff. Maybe. Exactly.
0: So we're we're looking at like khakis and golf shirts as opposed to yeah you know
1: yeah I mean it, Chicago has hipsters in it but it's like it's not a bastion of hipsterdom in general there are some neighborhoods but I I yeah. wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that for uh yeah no I don't think of it as a as a manifestly hipster environment I, what's either. what's the most hipster like not what is the most hipster city in general because that's like Portland yeah. or Austin or somewhere like that but if, yeah, if and- hipster pastors were going to do a pastors conference what's What's their city?
0: Ooh. Man, that's a really good question.
1: Um, I feel something like, uh, I don't know, like Mobile, Alabama or something like. Kind of sneaky, kind of yeah, kinda, yeah like a little bit under the radar. Omaha, maybe, you know, just sort of these cities that are like they're cooler than you think, but nobody knows yeah. it yet. Although I don't know if Mobile yeah. is actually a cool city, but it's off. The, it's off the radar. So it might be. I don't know. Dude, I think Mobile is a cool city, personally. I mean, you got you got the golf right there. That's uh, yeah. You got you know, and it's but it's it's Alabama, not Florida, so it doesn't have quite the same sort of cachet or the tourist appeal in that way. Now,
0: Alabama strikes me as like probably the least hipster state in the union. If you're just going top to bottom, the state of Alabama. It's
1: yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like you know I feel I- like Mississippi might be offended that you you said that, but. <laughs> That's true. It's, that's true. But the, but the thing is there're two si there're two states. Oh, I think Mississippi might be less hipster cuz I at least Birmingham is a real city. Yeah, that's I true. I feel like
0: Mississippi doesn't even have any real cities. It just has There's probably a hipster community in Birmingham. You yeah. you know what, Mississippi town I'm going to check out in a couple of weeks. I uh I actually have a conference in Oxford, Mississippi. Oh, that's uh, uh is that is that uh Old Miss there? Yeah, home of old okay. Miss, which I don't think of as, as hipster either. I just think of it as like no, that's like yeah, the swoopy-haired, chinless, affluent bow tie. Right, that's kind the one of, where they like dress up in formal Sunday wear to go to football
1: games, which exactly. explains why yeah. their
0: football team stinks. But or yeah, so it be interesting to see if if there is any hipster like community there yeah. in 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 Oxford, Miss. But so I, I'm excited. I'm actually looking forward. A year, a year, a year and a half ago, I went to Tupelo,
1: Mississippi, which is uh. Oh, yeah. It's like the birthplace of Elvis and, you know, they have, they have yep. a little museum, which is, he, he was literally born in a, in a shed or a house. Well, yeah. it's a house, but it's about the size of a shed. And Tupelo is yeah. another one of those cities where it's like, you know, it used to be just sort of the old Southern main street town, but now they have like craft cookie shops and a, a sneaky little art and music scene. And, it's just sort of how how did that happen in Tupelo? I don't know, but exactly. the, yeah, Tupelo is kind of sneaky nice, man. I like it. I've been there a couple times. So hipsters, if you're looking for a place to do a, a pastors' conference, there you go. There's a couple ideas, dude. And if it was Tupelo, like Pipe
0: and I would probably drive. Oh to. yeah, you could probably get us to speak at. It,
1: if you oh, know. and it's oh for sure. And it's not uh, it's not very far, especially from you because you're you're uh, you're on the way, dude. It's close for me. It's like an hour yeah. and a half,
0: two hours from yep, something like that. So Pipe, speaking of hipsters, we have two new sponsors and i don't know anything about these books that you're about to promote you're just you're just um, assuming I don't know who you're just assuming that the authors are hipsters well th- that that was my question i want you to to kind of rank for me on a scale of 1 to 10 1 being donald trump mm-hmm. 10 being Sufjan stevens this is our hipster spectrum um, where do these authors rank man what are we looking at are we looking at hipsters or non-hipsters oh these are these are utter non-hipsters
1: like com- complete oh, and total non-hipsters which is uh, it's huh. you know, no offense to hipsters, but that's a real breath of fresh air. And and the yeah. the books are uh, are not hipstery at all either. You know, in terms of in terms okay. of what they are. So the sponsor is Nav Press and uh, Tyndale House. Okay. That that joint effort again. And the first one is called Meals from Mars, and it's by a guy whose last name I'm probably going to butcher, but his name's Ben Siaka or Siaka. Let's call it. Let's, mm-hmm. It sounds a little bit like Sciatica. Um, yeah. Also Gattaca, um, as long as we're just rolling on <laughs> these things. But uh, so he is – let me make sure I have my, my notes in the right order. I'm not introducing the wrong author. Ben is the executive director of Restoration Academy and has been for like 15 or 17 years. Um, and that is a school that provides Christian education to urban youth In Birmingham, Alabama, the city we were just talking about, Uh, I have an affinity for him. I've never met him, but he's a Wheaton grad, so he must be awesome, and uh, has a math dude. What year did he graduate from Wheaton? (sighs) Well, let's see. Uh, If he's been in Birmingham for seventeen years, it's longer ago than that. So probably Mm -hmm. mid mid nineties. Was he okay?
0: So he was there before. He was before me. Yeah,
1: I don't. I don't know him. I'm sure you know Wheaton. The Wheaton. Uh, fraternity is small enough. I'm sure I know people who know him, but Sure. The book it's
0: Dude is it is it even special to be like an author from Wheaton? I feel like every kid from Wheaton gets a book deal.
1: Well, if they don't you know if I they mean? don't get a book deal, they make a lot of money selling financial services. So, um <laughs> There you it's, go. It's it's, one yeah, you are sort of yeah, you're sort of in the the ministry or creative side of things or you you go work with rich people's money. Um You buy and sell people. <laughs> that's <right>. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, you buy and sell people's assets which basically means you own them. Um Absolutely. This guy obviously went the ministry route and so the book is Meals from Mars and and it's a novel that is uh, it, uh, kind of in the vein of <clears throat> uh, same kind of different as me in terms oh. of uh, – it's a story about uh, a white man from the suburbs who encounters a black man from from the hood at, yeah. at a gas station. And for whatever reason, they get stranded overnight, and it, and that mm-hmm. creates the context in which their prejudices, their fears, and their whatever – you know, all of those those the racial divide essentially gets confronted, and so the mm. idea is, uh, I mean, it's it's allegorical, I guess, in a sense, or just sort of one of those. It's it's not sneaky; it's very obvious what yeah. this thing is. Yeah. It's not sort of like, hey, the subtle themes of this are race. It's like, no, this is a this sure. is about race. This is a race, book. but it's yeah. a yeah. it's a it's a book that uses a story to help people encounter the real life engagement of this and so ben having been in an environment where he he's a white suburban guy who's now served in the city for all these years is kind of in a unique position to do this and so i -hmm. you know i haven't had a chance to read it yet this is just one the publisher sent us but uh i'm i'm actually very interested in this one and i say actually because that's not true of every book we do a promo for um so Meals for Mars is the title. It's available now. Uh came out first week in February. And it is a parable of prejudice and providence. And so Ben And this guy's not a hipster. I'm surprised. No, like he's he's a uh I'm I'm looking at his picture right now. He's got a shaved head and he's got uh, a mm-hmm. t shirt that's you know, it's got some has got some script and some print on it. He just he yeah. just looks like he just looks like a guy who is himself, which is really refreshing. What's the guy's name? I'm gonna look him up. Ben Siaka. S-C-I-A-C-C-A. Ben Siaka. Yep. And there And Ben, if you listen to this podcast and I butchered your name, I'm really sorry. Let us know, Ben. Let us know how to say it. The other thing is – so for some of our listeners who are are familiar with more of the the, the broader reform movement, he has contributed to the Reformed African-American Network and been on their podcast before. So Hmm. that – like Jamar Tisby and some other guys oversee that, and it's a really – they do some really good work in terms of uh, racial reconciliation and racial sort of cultural – uh, commentary from a pretty, pretty, prof- you know, profoundly theological perspective. So that's a world he has a foot in as well. If that's something that means anything to any of our listeners, so a little bit of a recommendation there as well. Dude, you know he doesn't look hipster, but are you seeing? Have you seen his uh, his Twitter photo? No, I was just looking on the. Uh, I was just looking at the one that was on the Reformed Af- African American Network site. Dude,
0: yeah, the Twitter photo. He's got like a flat brimmed hat, like a. Mm sort of sort of cocked at a jaunty angle he almost looks like he could be uh remember like rick berry's kids who played in the nba yeah he looks like he could be one of rick i love that you call them uh i love that you
1: call them rick berry's kids when their names are brent and john
0: yeah yes yeah he he does look
1: like he could be that or yeah possibly a uh you know somebody who tried to make it in christian hip-hop and then moved into ministry
0: he looks like a white guy who can dunk which maybe maybe he addresses that in the book yeah he
1: well and and in the other picture i was looking at you can see a little bit like you can see him like chest up and he he seems to have an athletic build yeah. so yeah let's call him the white guy who can dunk i think that's fair you
0: know i think that's fair i would love to be known as that you know of all the things i'm known for i'd love to be known as that that that, that would be yeah nice. that was true of me for about a six month stretch when i was a senior in high school
1: and uh and it was, it was one of those kind of dunks that it was like, let's call it a WNBA dunk, not a, uh, so, <laughs>
0: Hey, but it's still, a. yeah. Dunk, I
1: mean, man. it, yeah, I, I can
0: always hang my head on that. Um, dude, wasn't learning to dunk like one of the most exciting things that ever happened to you? I feel like it was for me. Yeah. Like the three times that
1: I actually succeeded at it were, um, yeah. I, it may be the pinnacle of my athletic career, which tells you something about my life since then. It feels so amazing. It just feels really good, yeah. man. I mean, and I'm I'm six two, and so it's not like I'm I'm not a super tall guy who didn't have to jump at all. But neither am I like yeah. a five nine guy who who's got bounce. So
0: yeah, I'm six two. Also, I feel like it's a, it's, it's an accomplishment for us to dunk. Yeah. You
1: know, it's no fun. no. I I mean, and my friends will say it never happened, but it actually did. I I did succeed at it two or three times. And way. Believe- but it was it was like just get the ball over the rim and like flick the rim with your fingers, kind of dunk, not like throw it down sorry I I,
0: I wish I could have dude I learned to dunk like right toward the end of my junior year of high school and it was right around prom time and I remember we had after prom at like a YMCA Uh I remember my buddy Russell and I we kind of ditched our dates these poor (laughs) girls and we found just like a practice gym with a bunch of volleyballs in it and dunked all night yeah like our hands were all mangled up from the rims and but it was the funnest night. Yeah, man.
1: I could dunk a volleyball with a little more authority. The basketball was was, was tough. But yeah, no, so yeah, like yeah, yeah, so you're like dunking in tuxes or did you go change into not tux? You
0: know, we changed, man. We we ditched the tuxes and the dates and we just dunked and I practice was just picturing like
1: ponytail, like the the vest with the little cinch in the back and your little crappy clip on <laughs> bow tie and like throwing
0: it down. Yeah. yeah. All of that is true except for the ponytail. I didn't have that oh, in high okay. school. I had, the, I had the like shaven-headed football. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. School. Yeah, you yeah.
1: were the you. Were, you were like a true, a true fullback.
0: Oh yeah, man. Yeah, like I, I would wear a neck roll in real life if I could. <laughs> you know, not just uh, not just on. on I head. I used a neck roll because I was like 190
1: pounds and really wanted to look like I was 210. Dude, right? It made you look bigger. Yeah, well, Absolutely. it made me look like I had a tumor on my neck, but it was close. <laughs> Dude. Do
0: we have another book, man? Or we or is we it do. It it's that,
1: we, so that was one, Meals for Mars. Go check that out. The other one is called Killing Us Softly, which – is that like a Phil Collins
0: song or something? I, I feel like – Dude, no. It was – uh, I think it was the Fugees. Okay. Remember? Killing me softly with his song. Oh, soul. yes. Am I right? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. I feel like it, I, I Phil Collins. That was a terrible pull. But yes, the Fugees is right, dude.
0: It could be Phil Collins. I mean, I, Phil
1: Collins could do a version. When I of that. see the word "softly," I just associate it with Phil Collins. <laughs> dude, seriously, it's, that's a pretty. It's safe more movie of an atmospheric man. thing than it is any uh, you know anything actually to do with his lyrics because I don't know any Phil Collins songs off the top of my head. But so this is by Ephraim Smith, who is uh, also very much not a hipster. Uh, wow. His if you look hipster name no. if, if, well yeah except that he's like a. Forty something or fifty something black guy who's mm. super sharp in a suit. So
0: yeah, if that was on like a twenty five year old white guy, it'd be a totally hipster, name.
1: and he'd be totally unlikable. But in this context, it sounds yeah. completely trustworthy. Um, so he's a he's a pastor and works in community development and a whole bunch of other things. But the idea of the book is that uh, we're commanded to lay down our lives as Christians, so we take up the cross, we lay down our life. But he he the idea behind it is that this death is not sort of a tragic loss as much as it is a a gentle giving up of a thing to take on the holy spirit and so mm. uh but but also just looking at sort of the counterintuitive nature of christianity that life is lived through dying which mm. you know a book that's written well on this is really helpful because we live in a we, you know Absolutely. we we do a very upside down thing as christians and i think as culture around us pushes back against Christianity and the gospel so much. More and more it seems obvious to me just how crazy it is what we believe. And so mm-hmm. this book, uh, Killing Us Softly by Ephraim Smith, I'm, is it will be encouraging at the very least and probably really, really helpful. And the other thing is he's a guy who, as far as I know, everything I've ever heard about him, he walks it out very well. Uh, in terms of his ministry and the impact he's had on people, so "Killing Us Softly" by Ephraim Smith. The subtitle is "Reborn in the Upside Down Image of God." Uh, also available first week in February, so go get it now. Uh, thank you to Nav Press and Tyndale for sponsoring the podcast. Man, two new
0: sponsors. Business is good for us.
1: Buddy. Yeah, no, we're we're doing all right. And oh, we we we, we buried the lead.
0: Did you get anything yeah. in the mail this past week that changed your life? Oh my goodness, dude! Did I get anything in the mail that changed my life? Of course I did. I've pipe. I have an apology to make. All right, and this is a this is a written apology. It's a statement that I had my my PR intern write for me. Um, the statement is mission aware. I apologize if you felt hurt by my passive aggressive words on this very program. So just to lay it out for listeners, pipe. We spent many many months waiting. Um, waiting by our mailboxes to get a box of gear from Missionalware. And I'm ashamed to say uh, I spent a lot of time on this very same program being passive-aggressive about it and being kind of a jerk about it. Uh, Now, when I got the box, I was so happy because all of this amazing swag that they had designed for us with our logos, um, it was right there. And it was every bit as magnificent as I had uh, envisioned that it would be. So we got... What do we get, man? We got a Yeti mug that retails for like $86. <laughs> um, we got some pint glasses, coffee mug. Yeah, we got pint um, glasses, a really amazing coffee um, mug. Moleskine, Moleskine yeah.
1: I mean, it's – and, oh, that I, – I I had high
0: hopes for the Yeti. Yeah. it's It's better than my hopes. Dude, the Yeti is magnificent. Pipe, I couldn't agree more. That thing is like a – it, it, it feels like a Cadillac Escalade. thing: it doesn't I mean?
1: feel like you know. Sometimes those feel a little bit like tin cans. This thing feels no. like it, it feels like cast iron, but doesn't weigh 42 pounds. Like I feel like if somebody attacked me and I was holding this thing, I would just brain them. It's it it Absolutely. doubles as a self defense weapon. It's amazing. It's a
0: weapon. It's a it keeps your drink
1: and hot it holds or cold like 58 open. ounces. I can put almost an entire pot of coffee in it.
0: Oh, dude, the thing's gigantic. It's, it's yeah, amazing. it's amazing. It's a Rolls Royce. You know, it's, it's a Rolls Royce. So you can get your own um, Happy Rant branded gear. You can get a Happy Rant branded mug from Missionalware Wear. Missionalwear.com. These guys are great. We buried the hatchet. We're best friends now. They're coming over to my house to watch the Super Bowl. We're,
1: we're working um, on additional business ventures with them. So I mean, there's there's a bit of a lull in conversations while we had to work, you know, work through some of these things. But uh, conversations yeah. are are advancing on further uh, further work with them. So yes, hatchet is definitely buried.
0: Hatchet buried. It was business awkward. It wasn't real yeah. awkward. It was just business. yeah. No
1: no actual hatred. Just sort of yeah. Just finalizing the details on on these agreements is just a little tricky sometimes.
0: Well, dude, let's talk a little bit more about business, man. I'm glad you mentioned that because as we were doing our show prep, our production meeting, which consists of one or two texts sent between each other this afternoon, uh-huh. um, you mentioned something that I want to talk about, and it's this uh, this idea of signing your own books in a Barnes & Noble. <laughs> yes. And, and, your, and your parenthetical was like John Acuff regularly tweets about, and dude, I want to know about this because I, I don't know anything about it. But but did am I to believe that this guy like goes into a Barnes and Noble and signs his own books? Are you kidding yeah, me? So like this is a thing? Yeah, I don't know if other
1: authors do this or not. He's the one I see do it. I, I'm I'm assuming others mm-hmm. do. Uh so he tweeted uh you know, he he probably once or twice a month tweets this. I, I and uh so I saw some a couple days ago. He's like Hey, residents of X and Such City, I don't remember where he was, but let's call it Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, just yeah. signed all the copies of my book in this Barnes and Noble, go get them. And mm. and uh and I was thinking about it and I was like, if I walked into a Barnes and Noble and just started writing in a book, even if it was well, first <laughs> of all, I wish Barnes and Noble carried my books. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. one Barnes and Noble carried one of my books for like a week, and it was the one that's five minutes from where I live.
0: So they were just – Dude, did you go and see it? Did you oh, did, yeah. You made a special oh, trip absolutely. to see it. Absolutely. I went and I I looked same.
1: for it. I snapped a picture of it. I I took some extra oh. copies and covered up like T.D. Jakes and Joel Osteen books with it. Uh, yeah. I mean I, I moved some to the front of the store. They had like five or six yeah. copies, so I'm like two of them cover up Heretics, uh, and then three of them I moved to like the front religion table because – Dude, there you go. Because why? <laughs> why not i mean they have people who's it's their job to to move stock back where it belongs and so i was just you know keeping them employed
0: so my impression is this john a cuff he goes to barnes and noble and he has like a pin, he has like a pocket full of pens right and he gets <laughs> I, I he gets guess. back there in the religion section and he pulls his books off the shelf and sits down like uh, cross-legged <laughs> on the floor Yeah, it's like it begins yeah like the little like right, the little kid like in the, the comic book
1: section that's right
0: yeah, exactly Dude, this is amazing. This blows my mind and, and pipe it literally all kidding aside. It strikes me as the saddest thing I've ever heard. You know? Well, I just
1: I if if I walked in and say say they had any of my books and I started signing, I would be terrified that an employee would come up and go, "You know, you have to buy that now, right?" Like, you don't yeah. you, you don't get to write in that. And then I'd be like, "No, no, no, I wrote this." And they'd be like, "Uh-huh. Right. You know, BS. You didn't write, you know. It it yeah. it, it just strikes me as like I Well, first of all, I don't I don't know about you, like I have never felt like my signature added a lick of value to a book.
0: Yeah, no, that's weird, man. It's just a weird thing. I mean, again, unless you're in that like, michael jordan walter payton echelon of celebrity like big big whoop about your signature you know I, I mean if i give a book to somebody and
1: i write a note in it that's like hey great to meet you hope everything's, you know whatever uh yeah yeah then it's, yeah, then it's like a, it's notes. a gift or like it was it, it, it's a comment about it was really great to get to know you or meet you or whatever but but yeah. like just signing and being like here my name it's valuable. Yeah. Like my name's already on the front of the book. If there was value, I, I just I don't get the signature thing. And then to assume that like somebody's going to go, they're sitting at home, they're watching Netflix, eating Ben and Jerry's, and they see this tweet at like eight forty nine, and they're like, what? Barnes and Noble has signed copies of a book? Wow, I'm of a John Acuff book. Off, I can't. Off wait. with the bathrobe, on with the coat, and I'm going. <laughs> like I, okay, I'm. I. It's hard for me to envision that. But my real fear is that I would get either forced to buy all of the copies of my own book or like just dragged out of the store, like get out of here.
0: you You know, Vandal dude. So can I, can I tell you a funny story about this phenomenon? So 2006, my very first book facing Tyson came out and um, it it was, it was a big deal. Like your first book is a big deal and you get excited about it. And it was back when like big bookstores were still a thing. So there were a lot of bookstores and um, a lot of the bookstores in our area carried the book. So, we we got a sitter for Tristan. He was young, and KK and I went out to like have dinner and just like go look at my book at a Barnes and Noble, you know, which is sad, but uh, but it was a, it was a thing that we did. So we're there, we're looking at the book, and a lady comes up, you know, middle aged to older lady who is a friend of KK's mom, right? And she was doing the sort of nice, like kind of faux nice Southern thing of being like, oh. This is your book. That's so amazing. I'm so proud of you. Blah, blah, blah. She's like, I need to get a copy of this for my husband. Now, this lady's husband worked in like Christian publishing, right? So he was a, in fact, I think maybe he owned like a, one of the, one of the kind of lesser publishing companies, right? right? Um, so he was like the guy at one of these lesser publishing companies. And I told her, I I said to the lady, I go, you know, this is a book about boxing and there's some rough language in here. You know, maybe your husband wouldn't love it. She's like, no, no. I insist and she goes, she pulls a copy off the shelf and she goes, I need you to sign this for me because I'm going to buy it for my husband. And I'm like, uh, you know, all right, if you insist, definitely. And, and so I asked her, I said, uh, you know, can I write a little note to him? You know, how do I spell his name? Whatever. And she goes, no, just put your signature. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird, but all right. So I just, I have a really messy signature and, uh, and I just, I just signed it. I, I, I signed the book. I gave it to her, you know, said goodbye. I thought that was the end of it. Right. Um, Fast forward to a couple of days later. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of days later, we are having some college kids over to our house, and one of them calls me ahead of time, and he goes, "Dude, if I if I bring a copy of your book, will you sign it for me?" And I'm like, "Of course, you know that felt really cool, whatever." So he shows up to my house, and he opens the book, and he goes, "I got the last copy of Barnes and Noble, but it looks like somebody had scribbled in it." <laughs> and I opened it up, and it was the copy that I had signed for this lady. She took it uh made like she was gonna buy it and then stuck it back on the shelf and then this kid actually bought it that's brutal that's that? br- i mean yeah dude it's so brutal. i can believe dude, but so it but funny. it's just heartless
1: like all it that it would have taken is her being like congratulations it must
0: be it must dude, be i know so good. but she had to construct like this elaborate lie about buying the book Ugh. and then she had to sneakily like uh place it back on the shelf without me seeing and it, it turned into this whole like You know, mission impossible thing for her. Well, and here's the thing: if we play that out, you know, you
1: know, so she, she, I'm sure she walked away with the book, so that you felt like she was definitely going to to buy it. Mm -hmm. You know what she Mm -hmm. did? Is she walked up to the uh, the counter to to buy whatever else she had? You know, her chicken soup for the soul or whatever. And she's like, "I'm gonna get this for my husband." And then she casually opens it up and goes, "What?" somebody scribbled in this. I don't want this. And she handed it yeah. to the cashier yeah. and was like, you can, you can put this back on the shelf. And so, so she, I guarantee she carried that. She didn't put it back on the shelf herself. She, she stuck yeah. it somewhere in the store, like
0: handed it back to him and was like, I don't want this. Dude. That's so sneaky. That's so gangster. <laughs> you know, Have you? I almost respect it. Even though it's uh even though it hurts yeah. me. Have, you, know have you ever
1: asked somebody for, uh, you know, for, like, who have you asked for autographs?
0: Let's put it that way. Oh, dude, so, okay, so when I was a little kid, the the Indianapolis Colts would have their training camp in Anderson. That's right, Anderson you, were a, you were a ball boy for them, right? Dude, I was a ball boy in high school, but, like, uh, way beyond that, like, when I was a little, like, a little kid, like, in okay. middle school, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I would bring, like, a notepad and, like, get their autographs, you know what I mean, as they're walking off the field. So I got, like, I don't know, these names aren't going to mean anything to you, but, like, Gary Hogaboom and, like, Randy McMillan. I those and names. Like, Jack Trudeau, wow. you know, all these guys that used to play for the Colts back in yeah. the day. and. and That was really exciting. But starting, dude, starting probably my freshman year of high school, I think I stopped getting autographs. You know what I mean? I I started thinking of myself as an athlete, and that made it like less of a thing for me to go and like get somebody's autograph. But um, I don't know that I've ever had anybody sign a book. Like if I've I don't think I've ever been like, you know, here, I'd love to have you sign my book. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever asked anybody for an autograph.
1: I also don't ask people for photos. So the other day, I was walking down uh, one of the main streets in Nashville, Broadway, and uh, mm-hmm. and I Chris Rock walked two feet away from me.
0: What, Chris, dude? No Chris way. That's Rock awesome. is,
1: has been my favorite comedian since I was about fifteen or sixteen years old. Yeah. The thing is, I saw out of the corner of my eye him taking a selfie with some other guy. Like some guy had flagged him down and been like, "Oh my gosh, can we get a can we get a selfie?" And Chris walks away. He puts his sunglasses on and just sort of has that like the 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 million mile stare. And so I look directly at him. Like at the very least, I'm going to nod and say hi. Doesn't even acknowledge me. Just walks on by. Which if I was him, I would do the exact same thing. So I'm not. But I I I was like, if I ask him for a picture, I'm I'm going to annoy the crap out of him. Oh, yeah, and like I don't sure. regret not asking, so here's the thing. I want the picture, but I don't want to ask him for the picture,
0: yeah, so I would love to yeah. have
1: a picture of me and Chris Rock or any number of other famous cool. people, but I will never, ever ask somebody for that,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, no, I know it man and and one of my favorite things, so I have friends who get these celebrity pictures. Uh-huh. And one of my favorite things is looking at the face of the celebrity (laughs) and and trying to ascertain how, like, disgusted or disconnected. Like, there's nothing warm, there's nothing intimate about these pictures. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And, and, you know, the self aware ones are like,
1: you know, they they sort of recognize they're doing somebody a favor, but it's a pretty cheap favor because, like, the person doesn't actually get anything out of it other than a false sense of self importance. Um, Right. But then there's some who it's just an annoyance to. The weirdest thing to me is being around people who offer to take a picture, like they're the famous person. Yes. They're like, "Well, why don't we get a picture together?" And part of me yeah, like do you want a picture? Part of me you wants know? to be
0: the cool guy who's like, "Nah, man, I'm good." You know, dude, I used to know a guy uh I'm not going to say who it is. He's a former pro athlete who would travel. He would like carry around glossies of himself. Yeah. Like in a little briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> which which like given Here's the thing. I respect all athletes. Right. And especially athletes in like violent sports where you put your body on the line. Right. So to some degree, like anything this guy wants to do, it's it's totally fine by me. But, um, yeah, I kind of couldn't believe it. I was shocked, you know, um, yeah, it's that he would do that. So I, I mean, it, it, the funniest thing for me is when it's like.
1: It's pastors, you know, so, I was, you know, I go to these pastors yeah. conferences sometimes and there's some big name guys. Like mm-hmm. some of the, the biggest name guys in an evangelical and I'll cross paths with them mm-hmm. in some context. And one or two of them have been like, well, why don't we get a picture? I'm like, well, did you want the picture?
0: Because I, I don't. Right? Care. Do you want this for your collection? You want a picture of Barnabas Piper? They, you but know? they want it on
1: my phone. I'm like, well,
0: I don't. Yeah, I don't care. Like that's. Dude, that's so I, weird. It's so
1: presumptuous. I, I, I'm know? assuming that what what they've done is they realize more people want a picture than not. And most people are mm-hmm. too nervous to ask. Yeah, that's and I, in in my case, it's more like I'm too nervous to say I don't care. Yeah, and so yes, I'll take the picture with you, but I don't right. Know. But I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm never gonna post it anywhere.
0: Like it's not. It's not. <laughs> it does it has no value to me? Exactly, dude. I wonder what John Aka feels like when he's signing all those books. Like I wonder what's in his heart at that moment. Like what his feeling is. You know, I I. uh I, is it a thrill? Is it like, man, I've arrived. Look at all these John A. Cuff books. Or is it like is it, I gotta hurry up and do this before somebody Is it philanthropic? Like, like man. I'm, I'm I'm being so good. I'm, I'm being so back. good to the
1: potential readers of this book. Right. I'm I'm
0: adding value to this book.
1: I don't know My either. My thought I, wanna, I would be purely terrified if I was doing that. Just one hundred percent incomplete,
0: like I'm gonna get dragged out of the store. I'd be embarrassed. That's what would happen to me. Like something something would go wrong for me. <laughs> Like, I would do it. I'd work up the courage to do it, and I'd even feel, like, a little bit excited about it. And then, you know, I'd get thrown out or – it'd yeah, it'd go wrong somehow. Have, or, like, somebody who I really respected would see me doing it, and I'd feel sheepish. You know what I have mean? Have you ever wanted to like sign the, somebody else's books, like going to Barnes and & Noble and be like, well, I'm going to sign all of uh, Tim Keller's books? <laughs> Dude, yeah. that would be super funny. That would be really funny. That's more my – And state. then you could tweet out – you could tweet out, like – um <laughs> Prodigal gods signed by Ted Clark or, you or just tweet out you just, just the vague
1: tweet of like, hey, nine signed copies of prodigal God at X and such. But <laughs> exactly. Didn't say who it was signed by it. They're just signed. Exactly.
0: Signed by a much lesser that's evangelical right. author. <laughs> a decreased value. Dude, that's almost like a modern art installation. So <laughs> like to go around and like punk rockishly, like sign other authors books, you know, <laughs> maybe I'll start doing that. That's, I should.
1: Yeah, I should just start offering when I'm places like, hey, do you want me to sign that? You know, and somebody's yeah. – so next time I go to a pastor's conference, I'm going to be at the Gospel Coalition in in April. As people walk around the bookstore, I should just walk them and be like, hey, have you have you read that book by Keller? I heard it's really good. I'll sign it for you. I'll sign it
0: for you. Yeah, would you like me to sign it for you? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love it. So let, let's stay on this um, kind of topic of celebrities. So in keeping with our celebrity things, yes. maybe, maybe this is the celebrity episode. I don't know. So um, many famous people. Somebody put it out on Twitter. They wanted to know who our celebrity man crushes were. And I feel like this is a conversation that we sort of had before, uh, but I never get tired of it. No. And, and, I, and I want to make clear this is not a sexual thing. Right. Um, what, how would you define man crush pipe? And then I'm going to try to define I, it. We're men of letters. I think uh, we should be able to do this. I think the, the short version is like these these are people about
1: whom the sentence could be said. Women want to be with this person. Men want to be this person. Mm. And we wholeheartedly want, like we we wish with every ounce of our being, to be as cool or as yes. have the charisma or whatever of these these names we are about to offer. Yeah, like I would be this yeah. person. I would like trade places if, with if I could be yeah. as cool as anyone in the world. It would be this person, which is also important because it's you know this is not a this is a celebrity man crush. This is not the same thing yeah. as a celebrity crush. That's a that's an entirely different conversation. That's probably much much more awkward.
0: That's a different episode. Right. Yeah. And that's probably a, that's probably an episode that we can't do. Right. Yeah. You know? And probably for the best, you know, and probably those, for the best, but we do quickly this. and we are doing right. this. So pipe, I want to hear some of your celebrity man crushes. I'm going to say, you don't, you don't have to limit it to one because I'll be honest with you. I've got several. And, and we're going to talk about them all, but I want to, I want to hear some of yours. Okay. Well, the, the first and foremost, I mean, in this, I mean, this was an
1: immediate thing when I saw this question, it was, there was no hesitation. Yeah. It is is didn't have to think about it no, at all. It was, it is, it is. And as far as I know, will always be uh, Idris Elba.
0: Oh, interesting, man. Suss that out. So uh,
1: I, I was not familiar with Idris Elba until I watched The Wire uh, a few years ago. Yeah. He plays a character named Stringer Bell and mm-hmm. he's, He's the second best actor in the show. Okay. Uh, the guy, He's the first, uh, Michael, was it Michael K. Williams? The guy who plays Omar in in the okay. show is, that character is the best. I don't want to say one's a better actor than mm-hmm. the other. The character Omar is the money. But, yeah. but Idris Elba, so then, and then he was in the show Luther, And then he played mm-hmm. the big guy who carries the sword in Thor, you know, who guards the the yeah. whatever thing that sends that that sends people back and forth from from Asgard to Earth. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, my my Marvel nerd friends will get mad that I can't remember all the names. And dude, I'm looking at Idris Elba here. This is a good looking guy. Yeah, he's but he's like he is smooth. He is suave. Yeah. He's got a voice. He's British, too. So he's got he's got like the accent. Uh-huh. But he can play the he can play the cool American guy or he can play the 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 brilliant British guy or the suave guy. he ought to be the next James Bond this is yeah. this is my proposal for next James Bond because he yeah. he's tough as nails
0: he's dude he looks shredded too man he's yeah, rocked he's, up
1: he's British he he has a he has had a music career so he is a wow. he's a man of many talents my goodness yeah I just if I could be a person in the world it would be Idris Elba straight up man, no no ever. questions asked that was my first my first go-to on this.
0: That's not a bad one at all. Maybe we can kind of go back and forth here on, this. Um, you know, for me, my go-to on this question and we'll, we'll get more nuanced as we bounce it back and forth. I want to kind of go genre man crushes here too. So you kind of did your actor. I'll do an actor. um, And then maybe we'll go to sports or music or whatever. But uh, my actor one man is Brad Pitt. Um, I've always been a Brad Pitt guy uh, in, in, in that weird way that people are compelling. I mean, look, Brad Pitt's super good looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there were some movies that came out in the 90s that really sort of showcased the fact that he can really act as well. Yeah, he's,
1: uh, he's uh, had some real high highs as just like as a performer, not just being he, a hot dude. Yeah, he's had
0: some really high highs as a performer. I mean, 12 Monkeys was amazing. Yep. Legends of the oh, Fall was Legends amazing. Legends of the Fall was incredible. Dude, it's so good, and I, I have this argument like weekly with my students. My students hate that movie. The ones that have seen it, they think it's depressing. But uh, I think it's one of the most beautiful. It, it yeah, is depressing, I've but yeah, in the best yeah, possible it's way. it's like brilliantly depressing. I don't know, it's brilliantly depressing. There is a redemptive element to it at the end, which I'm not going to talk right. about because I would give the whole thing away. But um, yeah, there's some just achingly sad stuff that happens in that movie, but. Um, very redemptive stuff at the end, but dude, and I gotta tell you, hundred percent straight man here talking. But when Brad Pitt comes like around the corner on that horse, in the suit <laughs> and and the tie and the vest and the long hair and like the scruffy beard, yes, Judas Priest—that's a good-looking that's dude. Right.
1: Yeah, and and you not know? like to make you swoon, but just like a you—you you yeah. can't even hate that dude for how much better looking than you he is.
0: I cannot. I can't right. hate the dude. You know, when I think in my 20s i probably kind of like tried to hate him but then i just gave yep. myself over just to give him. You just give up just I mean? just 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 appreciate it just appreciate it just enjoy it don't fight it just enjoy it okay so so fight club um. Obviously a great Brad Pitt Even the even the cheesy ones, even like the Oceans movies I think he's great in those Yeah, because that just
1: showcases his ability to sort of be like The disaffected, pithy guy Which is a different, it's yeah. a very different space Like Legends of the Fall is whatever
0: is not disaffected or pithy So, very different Dude, the, the Oceans movies, he's always like uh, Just like eating a sandwich <laughs> or like drinking a bottle of water In those movies I think he. I he think looks he's great eating in that. every scene in those movies Dude, he's a guy who looks great eating a sandwich yeah. You know, I, I wish that could be said mm-hmm. of me I I dream of that, you know, I'm not that guy. And and the other thing is Brad Pitt can do, he can do long hair. He can do short hair, you know, you buzz it off. It looks good. You let it go long. It looks good. Um, You know, there's, there's not a weakness there um, for me with Brad Pitt. So I want to throw it back to you, pipe. Uh, We've each done actors. Do you have another one in in a different category? Since since Ronnie couldn't join us for this, I feel
1: like maybe we need to pick his actor too. Ooh. Like if, Oh, I mean, who, i guess the question is who which male shows up in the most hallmark movies
0: yeah wow this is an interesting one man who would it be who would it be for ron martin ron is it's gotta be a little quirky i feel like not like it's a little gotta be a little offbeat i don't know i'm i'm dude ron is a complicated character in that he would be loathe i think to even admit that he has a man crush you know what i mean because it would it would be a level of vulnerability that I, I think I've never seen him get to. Yeah. You know? Admitting that there's another performer that he that he admires. I, I you know? feel like I feel like Hugh Grant is is Ooh.
1: borderline for this. Like it's there because because Ronnie's not mm-hmm. going to be somebody like me who's just straight up, yes, I wish I could be Edrisell, but he's he's gonna talk about yeah. there there are things about Hugh Grant that Yeah and I think that would be my guess, in large part because of uh, uh, Love Actually. That, it, oh, dude, I love Love well, that's, Actually. That's my guess for that. That's my guess for Ron. We can run these by
0: him later and see if we guess right. Do you any any names come to mind for you, dude? But the other the other thing on the Hugh Grant tip that I think makes it a strong contender for Ron is uh, Notting Hill. Yes. Like I'm sure he's a fan of the movie Notting yes. Hill. Um, great romantic comedy. Hugh Grant is the is the main guy. Runs a little bookshop. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Actor wise, I'm thinking maybe George Clooney. I feel like I've heard him mention Clooney. You know, Clooney and Ron have kind of similar coloring. You know, they're they're uh, they're both dark haired guys. I think I think, you know, Ronnie could see himself as sort of a a poor man's George Clooney, if you will. Uh, And the thing is, as and you can see it a little bit as
1: as Ronnie sort of becomes fully like the you know the salt and pepper beard and the the neatly coiffed hair and like everything is is pulled together and and smooth and not high highs not low lows it's very it's very
0: cluny-ish pipe let me ask you something vis-a-vis appearance when i when i first met ron i'm pretty sure he colored his hair you know what i mean (laughs) like he was he was sort of and ronnie is a he's a good looking man let me just say that uh just just get that out in the open. Um, no qualms about saying that we're good friends. We can say that about one another, but, um, you know, and he, and he's talked on this program about how hard aging is for him and aging is hard for me too. But like, it's never, ever occurred to me to color my hair. Um, but I I think he used to color his hair. I don't know. I don't want to impugn him falsely by saying that. Um, but I like where I was going with that is I, I like how in, You know, in the last year or two, he's really embraced just the whole, like, salt and pepper beard and the aging thing and, you know, just own it. Yeah, and and it it suits him. Like, it's
1: it's got some gravitas to it, but it's not like – It's distinguished. But he styles it in such a way that he he doesn't look like he's trying to, like – you know, he's not – he he doesn't have, like, the little academic goatee or, like, the creepy hipster mustache. It's just a (laughs) really well-groomed beard. And it almost sounds like I have a man crush on Ronnie right now, but I'm just – I'm I'm admiring his his uh his transition from CCM artist several years ago. If you go back and look at the videos that we're not supposed to talk about from his Joy Electric yeah. days to where he's at now, I mean it's it is a full transformation. Well, Pipe,
0: let's uh let's use that as a segue. Let's talk about music. All right. Do you have a music industry man crush? Oh, absolutely. Without question. It's Harry Connick
1: Jr. Oh, fascinating. And suss that so, out. So Great
0: looking guy, by the way. Yeah,
1: and handsome, one of, handsome gentleman. I, I admire any man who looks better with age. You mm. know, and he was a handsome devil at like twenty five. Kind of like Brad. I, I'd say
0: Brad Pitt's in the same category. But uh, you know, dude, nobody wore a t shirt like Harry Connick Jr. in the nineties. He 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 would always wear like just a white t shirt yep. and like jeans, and he'd be crooning, and you didn't know if the video was set in like. Nineteen forty-two or nineteen ninety-two, but it didn't matter. Yeah, you know he, what could I mean? have, he
1: could have easily had like a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve, and it be, been from like the fifties or something. But absolutely. So Harry Connick Jr. is the artist that made me fall in love with jazz. I grew up with mm-hmm. like my parents didn't listen to much music, so my musical influences were whatever I chose to like. <clears throat> and yeah. somebody played, it was playing this jazz. I think it was a cassette at the time in their car. And I was like, "What is this? Mm-hmm. I like this." And they're like, this is a guy named Harry Connick Jr. He's 11 years old or his, the album was his album, uh, 11. So I'm sure he wasn't 11 at that point. Yeah. And I proceeded to spend all of my income on Harry Connick jr. Albums for like 10 years. So I bought, I bought everything that he put out between 11 and like four
0: years ago. Dude, can I ask you a weird kind of nuanced question on that? Did owning all those Harry Connick records, like, did it, did it help you with women? Did it help? What did women, how did women take that? You know what I mean? You know, I, uh,
1: I don't think I was confident enough because I wasn't a musician, so I couldn't like go sing a Harry Connick Jr. song for somebody. Um, yeah, it, it just, I don't know. I just loved his music and especially his, his earlier stuff where he was like jazz trio stuff and some of those things, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it helped me with women. At no fault of his.
0: Let's be very clear yes, about this. No, he, I, could have, he could have helped you with when he could have been your wingman without even. I knowing wasn't him. ready to okay. be helped. Let's put it that way. Dude, the reason I asked that, man, I was in a context with some students recently where this guy, this this dude, the student, was clearly invoking Michael Bublé as a as a means of like getting this girl to like. See, him. Michael Michael Bublé wishes he could be as cool as Harry Connick Jr. He's like he's exactly, the he's the half baked like, Harry Connick Jr. He's poor man's Harry Connick Jr. There's nothing remarkable to me about Michael Bublé. Yeah, he's a... Nothing, nothing that puts him on that Harry Connick level. No, he's just... Yeah, he's a he's a crooner who, who
1: came along at a time when people were more inclined to like crooning. But as yeah. a musician, it's not even remotely close. Like Harry Connick Jr. is a world-class jazz piano player. Mm. Phenomenal. And... Mm also a ranger of things and he's an actor and he's Mm -hmm. he he's one of those those guys who you should hate because he's good at everything but he's so dang likable that you're just like no i just want to be his buddy like i just wish i could hang out and and live i will
0: live in the wake of harry connick jr because he's awesome don't you wish we could hang out with Harry? yes listen harry if you're listening if you're a fan of the happy rant and you probably are uh let's let's hang out we'll we'll come to you Yeah, I I wish uh, I wish I could go
1: to New Orleans and just like spend a night like popping from jazz club to jazz club with Harry Connie Jr. I can't think of a better way to just sort of spend a day. That sounds amazing. Wouldn't wouldn't that be
0: amazing? Let's make that happen, man. Let's use our our considerable celebrity, the power of the liberal media that we have here at our fingertips as uh, as radio professionals. And let's uh, let's make this happen. So I have a couple of music man crushes, man. And you're going to I'm sharing these pipe only because I feel comfortable with you, and it's, I feel like you're not going to laugh. At me. So, like yeah. This is a safe space. So I feel like it's a safe space. Shared a lot. We can be authentic. Here. So again, you gotta you gotta put yourself in the shoes of of 1990s <laughs> Ted Kluck okay. and, and what I liked back then. But one of my music man crushes exists to this day: uh, Zach De La Rocha from Rage Against the Machine. Do you do you know this guy? I, not by name. I know Rage. That was you know. Dude, look him up. Look him up. I can't even spell that. Is it is it Zach with a C H? Is it Zach? C H. It's Zach De La D E L A, and then Rocha R O C H A. Looking
1: up his Wikipedia page. Here we go. Ooh, look at that hair. He's got he's, Dude, he's hair. got like this. The the, 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 the the white guy fro.
0: Yes. Um. Uh. He was ambiguously ethnic, right? You know? Like you 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 don't you don't know exactly like what you're dealing with there uh, ethnicity wise, but. So to me, here's the thing: here's a guy in Zac de la Rocha, who's not in any way conventionally handsome. Like uh, Brad Pitt, we can we can all agree is is conventionally. And if handsome. you don't think so, so, you're you're an idiot. Like that's that's. Harry Connick Jr. Idea. is conventionally yes. handsome. He's a handsome dude. Yes. I mean, you show Harry Connick Jr.'s picture to a room full of women, they're going to agree that he's handsome. Yeah, absolutely. Zach de la Rocha, not so much. Except that, dude, this guy just had like unreal charisma, like off the charts. <laughs> crazy charisma in the 90s and that was a decade where it was like okay to be super earnest and passionate and they would have these shows man where like entire arenas were like pumping their fist in unison and this guy was getting the crowd whipped up and uh i was just so into that man i was i was incredibly into that in the 90s with zach Well, and, and and rage against the
1: machine was a like they were a seminal band for like the i'd say like the older millennials and, and, yeah. and then also down to Gen X, like just that, that pure like expression of, of aggressiveness. Yes. I go, yeah. I don't want to call it anger,
0: but it was just, it was like aggression. Just that dude, it was, it was very aggressive music. It was very, uh, like passionate earnest. Um, yeah, I was really into Zach de La Rocha. The other one, this is like one in one a for music for me. Uh, my other music man crush from the '90s was uh, Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows. <laughs> yes, you remember Adam Duritz. Oh, I, I listened to the Counting Crows probably like every other week. I listened to uh, I listened to to them pretty regularly. Like they're they're still great, dude. They're still great. I love the Counting yeah. Crows. I love everything they've done. Um, it was a huge Counting Crows and Adam Duritz fan. Here's another guy though who I don't think we would call him conventionally handsome, New. except that this guy, man, this freaking guy. This guy dated like every hot celebrity chick in the '90s, and to this day, I don't know how he pulled it off. Uh, you know what I Yeah, saying? because because musicians are,
1: you know that that's a that's you a know, different was, sort of dudes. Like, it, so for some reason, writing words and singing words don't have the same effect on people.
0: No, that's true, man. Being a writer, it's it's not the same. You know, yeah, usually usually you're judged fairly harshly for that. Whereas if
1: you can sing yeah. words. All judgment, all judgment just washes away. The world is your oyster,
0: you know, the world is your oyster. Dude, when I was a glum, morose sophomore at Taylor university, I, uh, I lived off campus for a semester, but my, um, my friend Bernie lived on campus and he would let me like, he gave me like a key to his dorm room so I could hang out and, and, you know, not have to like go to my car or whatever. And, uh, he had the record, uh, August and everything after by the counting. So good. And it was my. It was my first entree into the Counting Crows and dude, I swear to gosh, I would listen to that thing on repeat like day after day after day. It was such a such a seminal, like huge record for me back in the day. Yeah,
1: it's there's no there's no weak
0: points in it. No. No, definitely. Well, see, not. see
1: and that's one that, you know, I they were popular at their peak, probably before I was of quote unquote the right age to really enjoy their mm-hmm. music. But Mm -hmm. I have three older brothers And my oldest brother was a Counting Crows fan For a few years And so I was influenced because he thought they were good And I thought he was cool So therefore I became a fan at like 10 And am now a fan Who
0: actually can enjoy their music more now Because I'm not 10 anymore Dude, so tough question We asked the tough questions on this program Um, And this would be hard for Ronnie Because he is a musician Uh Do you think he has any music man crushes? Oh he has to because I mean like
1: you you and I are writers and Mm -hmm. I guarantee there are writers that we're like oh I just wish I could write like that person
0: oh yeah like it
1: just it kills us that we can't or we try really hard to and he has to have that but I think admitting it is different because it's there's it's a performance art not a not you know and so I, I I don't know if he does I I also, dude. And there's a sense the thing enrich, is, I don't, The other like, thing is, to be fair, I don't totally know the world of Ronnie's music very well. So yeah. his musical influences are probably like seventy-two people I've never heard of.
0: Dude, I feel like one would be like Ian Curtis from Joy Division. You know, kind of mopey, kind of like, you know, that hollowed yeah. out, like bags under your eyes, skinny, like arty, like smoking a cigarette, kind of, kind of guy. You know, I can um, see that. Also, I think I think Ronnie was influenced by. Uh, by their music and by that whole, you know, kind of movement. Um so I I I think if I had a venture guess it would it would be someone like that. Um uh, Pipe, let me give you one last category, right. one last question on man crushes. Um sports. Mm. Do you have an athletics man crush? See
1: this is the hardest one for me because I find athletes to be the least interesting people most of the time.
0: No, I agree. And so, I agree. This this is one that you have to think like, hard The on.
1: interesting athletes are usually the ones who are not good athletes. Mm-hmm. You know, you get like Brian Scalabrini, who was like the 14th <laughs> man on on various NBA yeah. playoff teams, yeah. but but that's why he was interesting because he wasn't any good. So he would you know read books and be funny and whatever else. But uh, yeah, man, I don't know. Like I. There are athletes at various points who have clearly been my favorite. Like Kevin Garnett is probably my favorite athlete ever, but I wouldn't like – I wouldn't want to hang out with him. I don't know that he's terribly (laughs) likable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, that's interesting. I I don't come up with much in the sports world. I'm sure that – there's got to be a name out there, but I'm having a hard time pulling
0: it from the ether. Dude, wanting to hang out is an important part of this. What about like – What about Robert Smith from the old Vikings? You know, he's a smart guy. He's he's got a doctorate, I think. He's a little like he's too smart, though. I feel like
1: if if I I wanted an intelligent perspective on something, yeah, he's he's clearly brilliant. Um, Yeah, but but it doesn't look like much fun. No, I know it. I don't. Who would be fun uh, from those old Viking Viking? Oh, you know what? John Randall. Cause oh, he's yeah, nuts. like, he's, he's yeah. the kind of guy, it's like you get in a car with John Randall. I mean, it's like a reality TV show. You don't know what's going to happen. Like you might end up in a brawl in an alley. You might like go to the opera. You might like paint you your face and run around in the woods place, at a loincloth. Like yeah. Like, you know, you don't know what's going on. Yeah you, yeah. you just, you could lose all your money at a, at a backroom card game and then get chased by like <laughs> chased by, you know, Tommy gun toting thugs. Like literally anything could happen with him. Uh, and, and he would laugh at all of it, just raucous laughter because he's,
0: I think he's borderline insane, but it's, dude, you know what else I kind of liked from those old Viking teams? This guy was sort of, he was sort of like white guy, uh, wannabe John Randall. It was Chris Hoban. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's come up on the pod before. He was the first guy who ever made me think that like the barbed wire tattoo might be cool. Dude, exactly. He made the barbed wire tattoo cool for a minute, man, for just a short yeah, time. Yeah, he, he followed and, uh, John Randall. Like, he was supposed to be the the Randall replacement. He was the white John Randall, and he would paint his face yep. in the same fashion, and uh, he, he was good. He was a good player. You know, no no disrespect to Chris Ovan.
1: Yeah, no, so I think I – think I wouldn't call him a, a man crush, but he's – like, Randall's close to, like, the most interesting man in the world kind of guy. Like, he's – you know, he's <laughs> – he just kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. What's, uh, what, what's Dude, your sports pull?
0: I've got a few, but I'm, I'm with you, Pipe. The, the hangout factor was what really got me because everybody that I've mentioned thus far, Brad Pitt, Zach De La Roche, Adam Duritz, I would totally want to hang right. with these guys. Like it would be a good hang. It would be fun. But um, sports, man, it's tough. So there was a guy um, – I'm going purely off appearances now and back to the barbed wire tattoo thing for me. My barbed wire tattoo guy in the 90s was uh, this linebacker. He played for Ohio State. His name was Andy Katzenmaier. Yes! You remember this guy? He was so good. Dude, he was, he was so freaking good as a college yeah. linebacker. He, he, was, he was this big, like, rocked-up white dude. He wore the huge neck roll. Like, he was everything I wanted to be as a player. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. In- including, like, even the fashion. Like, the way, the way he wore the uniform, how it looked. Man, it was, it was perfect. And, um, I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he would be fun to hang out with at all, but, um, but that was definitely one from the nineties. And now, yeah, I'm with you, man. I have trouble like really identifying one guy who I'm kind of fascinated with from the NBA is, um, uh, Boris Diaw. Yeah. You know, that's a really good one. I heard an interview with him
1: recently. He's a funny dude. Who's just, he's a total free spirit.
0: He's super funny. He doesn't warm up with the team. He like drinks espresso in the locker room to warm up. And He's, he's perpetually twenty five pounds overweight. Dude, I know. I love this guy. He's fat. Like he looks like me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, even like if he showed up and played intramurals with me, like yeah. I, like it, it wouldn't be weird. But he's you know? but
1: he's a savant too. Like he's a wizard on yeah. the basketball court.
0: Oh, he's great. Yeah, he passes the basketball. He can you know shoot. what?
1: Okay, most yeah. he. You, you mentioned him, and it reminded me, European basketball players as a whole are the mm-hmm. closest we get to interesting athletes. Dirk Nowitzki, he strikes you're me as right. a dude who would be a great hang. Dude,
0: these guys, you're right. You're so right. I'm glad you made that point because he, these guys, they all have, like, an active, like, lively imagination. They have a life of the mind. Like, you know, American athletes, like, they go on the road and, like, I don't know, they get wasted and they go to strip clubs and and – I don't know these European guys they're like uh I don't know setting up a telescope and like looking at the moon yeah, or like, you yeah, know they, yeah or they when they when they go to they go to play the Golden State Warriors or whatever they like take a
1: trip and they're like oh I got an off day I'm gonna go to Napa Valley and like learn about wineries and uh
0: Dude, yeah I'm gonna go to Napa I'm Valley go to the and theater it, when I'm in New York and I'm yeah, gonna take like a wine tasting class and oh yeah I mean these guys are they're renaissance yeah. men and know? so I yeah I think I think I think Boris
1: is a great call. Dirk, I, he's not a, you know, I'm not a big enough fan of his to say he's a man crush, but like if he's on the short list of athletes, I'm like, oh, he'd be fun. Like I could travel with that guy for a week and have a great time.
0: Dude, see, and, and for me, it's not like a looks thing with Boris Diaw. Like if Boris Diaw had the looks. No, it's the, fact that he, it's the fact that he looks like one of us, except that he's 6'8". The fact that he looks like one of us, it makes him accessible, yeah, you yep. know? Um, but it's it's definitely not a looks thing. Well, dude, this this has been uh, this has been very illuminating. Oh, wait, before we move on, um, who's Ronnie's sportsman crush? Oh, goodness. Who's that Pirates
1: third baseman he always talks about? He only knows, like, two, two athletes, so. Uh.
0: Dude, he knows Kent Culvey and he knows the Penguin, Ron Say, from the Dodgers. I think it's Ron Say, because the other one he laughs about, but Ron Say, there's always a, a touch of reverence in his voice. Dude, there's a touch of reverence. There's absolute reverence for the Penguin. Ron Say, if you're listening, and I know you are, I know you're a listener to the program, if the Penguin Ron say, or Boris Diao, or Brad Pitt, Zach DeLaRoe, anybody we've mentioned, Harry Connick Jr., if you want to hang out, we are down. We'll drive to you. We'll pay. Um, not that, not we, so we, for John Randall. That one uh, is a little bit frightening. Dude, that one is frightening. I don't know if I'm hanging with John. Yeah, Randall. he's Andy Katzenmoyer though. I would hang with Andy Katzenmoyer. I don't know what he's doing now, but uh, I bet
1: he he strikes me as the type who you'd have to like drive to the to the middle of Ohio and you'd find him like on his John Deere tractor uh, tilling his you know his forty acres or whatever. You know, it's dude.
0: That'd be okay. I wouldn't be surprised at that. We could go eat like at a diner, you yeah. know, and people would know him, but not because of the football. <laughs> that's right. They'd be like, "Oh, that's that's Andy K. He's the uh, he's the potato farmer." exactly man i love it pike this has been uh this has been very illuminating man we've we've done what we always do in this program we've wandered to and fro we've actually we've talked a little sports which is a a thing that we we don't necessarily feel the freedom to do with ron uh in the studio man i enjoyed our sports app too and i think i think people yeah we got we got some good feedback on that one where people you know they, they they say keep it coming so we'll have to uh we'll have to do another special sports app at some point Dude, we'll do it. We'll do a little NFL draft app. Maybe we'll do something on uh I don't know, the the, the post Super Bowl recap. We'll we'll do something for the For people. sure. But uh thank you for listening to the program. Uh we do this all for you. We do it all for the listeners, even though you know, you take away you take away all the money and all the fame and we're just regular guys, you know. Kind of uh, like Boris Dio, except shorter. We're or- yeah, we're like the We're drinking our espressos to get warmed up for the show. And, uh, and then we just go out and we do work. You know, we're lunch pail guys, by That we are. Uh-huh. Yeah, we're lunch pail guys. We're gym rats. We're studio rats, as it <laughs> yes. were, um, in, the, in the parlance of the radio business. Uh, so we have wandered to and fro. We thank you for listening. Until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by
1: Resonate Recordings. Resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast.